In fact, I ran across a scripture in my study, man, and I almost bit the back out of my chair when I saw it. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. We welcome all of you joining us by television and those of you joining us at airjesus.com. Stay tuned to today's message. We are delighted to have you join us and tune in today. We love you and appreciate you so much. We'd like to read a little humor, as I often do. Someone gave me this. I thought it was funny, but it, it reads, this is from a young minister. He says, when I was a young minister, I guess he's an older minister now, but when I was a young minister, a funeral director asked me to hold a graveside service for a homeless man with no family or friends. The funeral was to be at a cemetery way out in the country. This was a new cemetery, and this man was the first to be laid to rest there. I was not familiar with the area and became lost. Being a typical man, of course, I did not ask for directions, and I finally found the cemetery about an hour late. The back hole was there, and the crew was eating their lunch. The hearse was nowhere to be seen. I apologized to the workers for being late. As I looked into the open grave, I saw the vault lid already in place. I told the workers I would not keep them long, but that this was the proper thing to do. The workers still eating their lunch gathered around the opening. I was young and enthusiastic and poured out my heart and soul as I preached. The workers joined in with praise the Lord, amen, and glory. I got so into the service that I preached and preached and preached from Genesis to Revelation. When the service was over, I said a prayer and walked to my car. As I opened the door, I heard one of the workers say, I never saw anything like that before, and I've been putting in septic systems for 20 years. <laughs> Open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. When you get there, say amen. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, and verse 11. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, and verse 11. Let's read that together in unison when you get there. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and let's read together. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Let's read that again. For I know the thoughts. One translation actually says, for I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts and plans for peace or for your welfare, one translation says, and not of evil, to give you 
an expected end. And another translation says at the end of that, to give you a future full of hope. And I just want to use as a subject, a future full of promise, a future full of promise. I just love this scripture because it lets us know that God is not out to harm us. God is never against us. He is always for us. And he clears that up because so many people have falsely accused God of bringing destruction into their lives. And he is not the destroyer. He's the savior. He's always the resurrector. He's always the healer. He's always God. And some people get it confused. And it's almost like this little boy, his father was a volunteer fireman. And one day the little boy asked his father, who was a volunteer fireman, he said, why is this little red truck always going around starting fires? And so we have often done God the same way. We've accused him of what the devil has done. And then God comes on the scene to help and we accuse him for doing it. But he lets us know that he is not the one that brings evil. He says, he says, I know the plans. He says, he's clearing up the question. I know the plans. I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Oh, thoughts to prosper you. Thoughts for your welfare. Plans for your welfare. Not to harm you. Not to bring evil upon you. But to give you hope. And the future to give you a future full of promise, a future full of promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a future full of promise for you. A future full of promise. Also, we we see the same thought several times throughout scripture. Um, Flip over, let me read something here in 1 Timothy. Flip over to 1 Timothy, if you will. You'll see the same thought, the same thought. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 8. Notice what it says there. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 says, For bodily exercise... Profiteth little. Now, don't take that out of context and say, well, there's no need of me working out because the Bible says that doesn't profit much. Well, to get a more, a, a clearer picture of that, it really says um, for bodily exercise, it really says it profited for a little time. In a little time, or if, you, if you're looking at it in relationship to eternity, this life is just a little time. And so it says, you know, bodily exercise is something. It'll help you here momentarily while we're here in this life, but it has no eternal significance. It has, you know, it has nothing eternal, no eternal value to it. So it profits a little or a little time. And it goes on. Notice what it goes on to say. um, But godliness, but godliness, or you can say, but living for God or living according to God's word, or living according to God's way, or living with God's character, that godliness, godliness is profitable unto all 
things. See, exercise profits you, and it's basically saying exercise profits you just for a little time, and it's also saying it only profits you in one area, just profits you physically. But godliness, living for God, living God's way, living according to his word, living with his character, that is profitable to you in everything. Oh, that's profitable to you on your job. That's profitable to you in your, in your marriage and with your family. That's profitable to you in eternity. And so godliness is profitable to you in everything. And so notice he goes on to say, having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. Notice one translation says it holds promise for the present life as well as for the future. Living for God pays off now. A, it gives us a future filled with promise. In other words, if you live for God, if you're living for God, if you're living according to God's word, if you're living according to his way and, and in his character, uh, he's saying to us that you are going to have a future filled with promise. In other words, you can expect some good things to happen to you. You can be excited about tomorrow. You can be excited about your future because you're living for God. And when you live that way, that gives a life that has a future that is filled with promise. Some things are going to happen in your favor. God's going to move on, on your behalf because you are living godly, because godliness is profitable unto all things, unto this life, and even our future life, even after this. I love this. Your godliness pays off even after this life is over. Your godliness is still paying off. Oh, everything you're doing. Everything, that's why the Bible said, don't get weary now. Don't get weary because this is going to pay off eternally. Oh, the praise you're doing now, the giving you're doing now, the serving you're doing now, the loving you're doing now. Oh, all of you, everything you're doing, it has eternal significance. This is going to follow you into eternity. It's a future filled with promise. And I love, I love being a child of God, being a child of God. He said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans not of evil. Oh, but to give you a future full of hope to give you a future that's filled with promise. You have a bright future ahead of you because I'm going to do some wonderful things in your life because I love you. And here's the thing. God wants to do wonderful things for us, not because of the fact that we're so good, but because of the fact he's so good. Oh, that's why. Because he loves us so. Because he loves us so. God can't help himself. God is so eager to bless you. God is so eager to bless you. In fact, I ran across a scripture in my study, man, and I almost bit the back out of my chair when I saw it. <laughs> I almost bit the back out of my chair. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. I had never seen it like this. Ephesians chapter 2. Now look at here. Ephesians chapter 2. 
We can actually, we can actually start at verse four and we'll read down to verse seven, but notice what it says. Ephesians chapter two, verse four, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Are ye saved and hath raised us up? Together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And this is what I, this is where it hit me when I saw it in verse seven. This is why he did all of that. God came down and got you out of sin, died for you, cleaned you up, raised you up from the dead with his son, sat you in heavenly places. He did all of that for verse seven. So that in the ages to come, he can show you the riches of his grace and his kindness towards you for all eternity. Now that set me on fire when I saw that. I said, God, you mean you cleaned me up just because you wanted to show me your goodness for all eternity? God, you cleaned me up. You came and got me. You raised me up with Christ Jesus just because you wanted to show me the riches of your grace. You wanted to show me the riches of your grace. You wanted to show me the riches of your grace. You wanted to show me the riches of your grace. You wanted to show me the riches of your grace. You wanted to show me the riches of your grace. You wanted to show me the riches of your grace in the ages to come. Folks, this thing is not over. It's just getting started. It is just getting started. In the ages to come, God has already planned out all eternity. He's going to reveal himself in the ages to come. Folks, we haven't seen anything yet. He said, he said, in fact, I'm sending you all the Holy Ghost so you can just get a taste of what I'm like. This is, he said, this is just a down payment. This is not the real thing. This is the earnest money of the full possession. All right, all right. Can y'all see why I was about to bite the back out of that chair? (laughs) Oh, Lord God. I saw it clearly. I saw it clearly. I said, God, you came down, washed us up, cleaned us up, raised us up, sat us with Jesus just because you couldn't hold your kindness any longer and you wanted to show us the riches of your grace in all eternity. I said, my God, my God, my God. Folks, we have a future. We got a future. We had, turn to your neighbor and say, you got a future. You have a future filled with, with, with promise. You got a future filled with promise. Folks, you haven't seen anything yet. You thought this year was good. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. God, God loves. Oh, man, he's raised you up. So just so you, he can, he's already beginning to show he has so much he wants to do and show he loves you. And that's why in Jeremiah 29, he said, I know the thoughts. He said, how are you all accusing me for being the destroyer? No, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for my people. Thoughts to prosper them. Thoughts for their good. Thoughts for their welfare. Thoughts for their will. Plans for your well-being. Not to harm them. Not to do evil to them. But to give them hope and a future. To give them a future 
full of promise. Oh my God, a future full of promise. A future full of promise. Every day you wake up, wake up and say, oh my God, I got a future full of promise. God's promise, God's promise, God's promise. God's promise is being revealed to me today, every day, every day. That's why the Bible says that, man, this is, this is another verse that almost got me going. <laughs> I don't have the energy. I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't give that verse out like I did the other day. I don't have the energy for that. But <laughs> that takes a lot of energy. You got you to be in good shape to deliver that. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 says this. I love it. I love it. It says, and this is what it says. It says, the path of the just gets brighter and brighter. Just when you thought your best days were over. Just when you thought it was all said and done. Just when you thought there was nothing to look forward to. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, the path of the just gets brighter and brighter. The imagery of it is this. The imagery of it is the dawning of a new day. And you know, early in the morning around 7 o'clock, it's still dark. It's still dark, 637, it's still dark, but if you notice 730 is getting lighter, eight o'clock is getting lighter, it's getting lighter, and God is saying, this is what he's saying, just as the dawning of a new day gets lighter and lighter, lighter and lighter, so is the path, the path of the just gets brighter and brighter and brighter, and that's why every day with God is better than the day before. Every day with God is better than the day before. The path of the just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And so this year that we're coming into, uh, the, your, your light gets brighter. Your love for God gets brighter. His goodness gets brighter. Your love for your family gets brighter. Your love for your fellow man gets brighter. I mean, your good deeds get brighter. Your character of Christ gets brighter. Your joy gets brighter. Your faith gets brighter. Your love gets brighter. Your giving gets brighter. Your smile gets brighter. You get physically, you start looking younger and better. The path of the just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Oh man, you got a future filled with promise. A future full of promise. A future, a future full of promise. I'm excited, so excited. I'm excited about God. I'm excited about what he's doing in his people. I'm excited about what he's doing in the earth. I'm excited about my future. I'm excited about this next year. I'm excited about this next day. Every day, every day is an excitement. You ought to get up and, and say, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do for me today. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't. You, he's, he's arranging things. He's He's prearranging who you're going to bump into. He's prearranging who you're going to meet. He's prearranging opportunities. He's prearranging blessings. He's ordering your footsteps. He's ordering your path. He's doing everything each and every day. The path of the just gets brighter and brighter. Life gets better and better. Just when you thought you had all the goodness of God you could stand, he gets even gooder. <laughs> he gets better. He gets better. Every day with God is sweeter, sweeter. 
than the day before. So I'm filled with hope for this upcoming year. I can't wait to to see what God does in our lives and through us. This year, we should be uh, just blessing more people. We should be believing God not only to receive increase for ourselves and to grow and to learn and develop for ourselves, but we we should be blessing more people this year, touching more lives. Let me tell you this. Socrates said this. He said, a life The unexamined life is a life that's not worth living. And as we close out a year, this is really a time of of examining your life. Examining your life, thinking back over the last year, examining your life. I like something that Benjamin Franklin said. He said every night before he crawled in the bed, he would ask himself this question, what good have I done today? What good have I done today? And as we close out this year and move into a new year, you should pause and reflect and examine your life, examine the past year, examine your deeds, examine your character, examine your giving, examine your love. Who did you reach for Jesus? Who did you share the gospel to? Who did you pray for? Who did you bless? Who did you touch? Who did you lift up? Who did you visit? Who did you share God's love with? What did you examine your life? An an unexamined life is a life that is not worth living. And so as as you wind down this year, examine your heart, examine your life, and realize that you have a future full of promise. You have a future full of promise. And we'll get into on some of our Next teachings, we'll get into some of the things that uh, we'll share about uh, bringing change and bringing newness into life. I'm just so excited. I'm just so thrilled. And I'm so I'm just happy to be a recipient of God's grace, to see the riches of his grace each and every day. And to know we got an opportunity all again to experience his grace in greater measure, in, in a greater fashion, and to live for him in a greater way, to know him The Apostle Paul, as powerful as he was, he said that I might know him. He said that he said, see, because the more you know of God, the more you find out you don't know about it. Just when you think you got him figured out, he changes. And he's not changing because he never changes. He just turns to show you another side. (laughs) Show you another side. His ways are past finding out. His mind is unsearchable. Oh, the, Paul finally let out a great gasp. He said, oh, the riches of the wisdom of God. How great and unsearchable are his ways. They're past finding now. He said that I might know it. Make a, make a decision this year, like the Apostle Paul, to say that I might know, that I might know. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. I want you to go to airjesus.com. You can listen to this message, message number 7449 in its entirety. You can also email it to a friend absolutely free of charge. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word.
This ends message number 7449 by C. Elijah Bronner. To send this message, a future full of promise number 7449 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 7449. Listen to airjesus.com and theword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.